Hello there, welcome to the first edition of the Then, Now, and Forever podcast. Um, I'm sure if we ever get any kind of attention on this, it's going to run in to a laundry list of copyright issues with the WWE, but here we're going to be discussing on this episode all things WWE Extreme Rules 2019 coming from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is where we are broadcasting out of, actually. I am broadcasting this first episode of the podcast from my apartment in North Philadelphia, um, I am not going to the event. I'm here at um, the Wells Fargo Center where the 76ers and the Philadelphia Flyers play. I went to the last time, I think there's been a few Raws since um, since the last event that I went to there. The last time I went to a WWE event was the NXT TakeOver in 2019 or 2017, sorry. That was incredible. That was the first, um, actually the first WWE event I had gone to um, since I was like a kid. I think my mother took me to a, like a Raw when I was like three, like, you know, shouts out to mom for spending the money, but I don't remember it, unfortunately. I got to go to an Attitude Era Raw though, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, um, I went to the NXT TakeOver, but I couldn't make it out to this one. I'm really excited for the card actually though. So on um, this podcast, we're just going to be breaking down. I'm going to go through the card, give my thoughts on each match, um, give a prediction. This is actually a harder card to predict than a lot of the ones. I'm actually, so I'm going to go, you know, I'll just go to the Wikipedia page, break down every match and give my opinions on it and where I think the product is heading. This is actually, it's kind of tough. This is, um... I think there's more room for excitement here like at this point in time than there has been for I, months um because i it's hard to find such a dry spell with the product i mean i've been i had on and off periods with dark periods you know where i stopped watching but this is the longest period of just like really bad content they've been putting out I mean there's you know bright spots here and there but because I mean because you had I mean you got to think about it last fall was just atrocious it's hard to even remember what was going on just mainly just the Baron Corbin as the raw general manager constable interim general manager thing I mean it, it got so bad that they had to come out and apologize in December and promise more things and then you had a bit I mean it got better as the road to Wrestlemania came because it I mean it always does it's always one of the bright spots of the year but I think as anyone who's watching the product remembers it was just historically like a jumbled mess like very thrown together at the moment like we had it was one of the first Wrestlemania card that you they didn't have any like they didn't have any plans like even a few weeks out from it. It was really hard to think of um, as, like, a real thing. Like, even in the darkest periods, like, when I, like, stopped watching around, like, 2011, 2012, and just the product was just terrible, um, you still had, like, they were planning the Cena rock matches a year out each time. And that was, like, a three-year storyline. They were able to... I mean, it was, you know, a hit or miss, you know, I think what you think of it, but at least it was a planned-out storyline. 
and then post WrestleMania is just it's just been a shit show. Um, there's really not much to like, but um, yeah, Extreme Rules 2019 Philadelphia. It's the first time that I'm actually really excited about a card post WrestleMania, and it is the first time that it seems like there's like some brightness to be looking forward to. Um, especially that comes a bit from you have Paul Heyman, the much publicized arrival of Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, and there's been some debate online, um, you know, different rumors spreading around about how much each, um, how much the shows are being influenced in these weeks since the announcement, the two or three weeks since then, I can't remember exactly that, since the announcement, how much Heyman and Bischoff have had an influence over the television product, but I think we're definitely starting to see some really positive changes you had even in the past few weeks you said some really good stuff you had the obviously the Lashley Strowman no holds barred um false kind of newer match I never know what those terms are I never know what the difference are they're really specific anyways match to start raw that was really talked about really well done and they're going to be facing off at extreme rules and then you had the um the maria the whole maria storyline which is so ridiculous um and then you had a lot um the undertaker returning just had lots more excitement much more memorable moments in the past months i mean i I feel like undertaker returning is not something you can just do on the fly but who, who knows you know you offer him a lot of money he'll definitely come back for that Saudi blood money it has been shown to us and it's just the first time that like it seems like I'm actually excited to see where they're going to be going maybe that's just placebo effect I'm a big believer in placebo effect and just you know the way because we can train our minds to like think just the mere perception that someone competent and not a geriatric man who has his mind on the XFL is controlling the product, the just mere perception that we have a pair of competent wrestling minds um, spearheading the two primary shows of the product, it can influence our, you know, thinking of the show. But there has been like just like um watching SmackDown. I um as I just ca- I just caught up on SmackDown yesterday. It's they're building for the future in a way that they haven't been like there are the Kevin Owens program um promo to start the show specifically you have feuds set up that aren't just going to accumulate at the next pay-per-view you have presumably we're going to be getting Kevin Owens and Shane at SummerSlam or something um relating to that we're going to be having um on the Raw side, we're going to be having probably McIntyre, Undertaker at SummerSlam, or maybe we'll get the um, Undertaker, Roman Reigns rematch. That would be very cool too. Like, I don't know how. Maybe you could actually, because <laughs> um, actually have Roman officially retire Undertaker, but I doubt it. But yeah, it seems like this pay per view actually has a lot of good things. I'm looking for looking at the matches now. Nearly every match is interesting, and it's really actually kind of hard to tell who's going to be winning everything. So with that in mind, I'm going to 
break down each match of Extreme Rules 2019, the most extreme night on the WWE calendar. Um, I had to say that with a bit of tongue-in-cheek, although we are coming from the home of ECW, we're coming from, you know, with Paul Heyman in charge taking over, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll get a few hardcore spots, nothing, um, nothing hopefully approaching the chair shot to the head that Cody Rhodes took a few weeks ago at, um, was it Fighter Fest? Yeah, nothing hopefully approaching that, but I mean, you can still do a lot with, um, without, you know, giving someone brain damage. I, I know there was, um, I, I believe I heard that the chair was gimmicked and that kind of thing, and the cut that Cody experienced was just kind of a freak accident with, like, it actually gashing his head, but still, those kind of things are scary. So, we have, um, as it stands, we have 10 matches on the card. I had heard that they are not going to add any more matches. Usually, like, a lot of times we'll get a, um, you know, 11th hour <laughs> match thrown in to the, um, you know, like, the pre-show, that kind of thing. I really hope we don't get that here. I hope that's kind of a thing that just, um, gets thrown away and done away with, unless there's some kind of special storyline circumstance that gives us reason for it. A lot of times, it's just thrown on there. I remember, I, all the pay-per-views run together. I remember last year, we had something with, like, we had something, or it might have been earlier this year, we had something with, like, it was, like, Razar, or one of, when one of the members of AOP was injured, we had, like, one, the other one that wasn't injured, and then, like, a member of the Revival teaming up, or something like that, that just doesn't need to be in there, it's time killer, the, we also had, like, um, I remember earlier this year when Kofi was gaining steam in the run-up to WrestleMania, they had him, like, wrestle, I think, like, the bar, or just multiple different people, I'd have to check, but it was just, just pointless time-filler content to justify the pre-show starting at 6 p.m. or whatever it is, so it doesn't look like we're gonna get any of that on this one, and 10 matches is enough for, for any show, so, as WWE tends to do, we don't have the order for the matches as of yet, but we are going to... I'm just going to go, like I said, I'm going to start on the Wikipedia page, and I'll start at number 10, number 1. We don't even know what the main event is, and I really wish they would um, be giving us more information on the main event here, because, in, I mean, in theory, you have, I guess the, the top program on the Raw side has been Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin in the um, winner-take-all match that's going to happen. Something, to me, something just feels like that Undertaker and Roman Reigns should headline. I know the the veneer has been taken down. I mean, Undertaker has an Instagram now, which is, I think, one of the most hilarious things to happen in the past two years of um, just, like, periphery wrestling content. But anyways, yeah, I mean, he's still a huge star. Like, the, you know, a lot of perceptions have been falling of him recently with his match against Goldberg in Saudi Arabia and him just continuously coming back long past when he should have retired. He just still feels like a big star. Roman Reigns is by far the most mainstream attention-grabbing star they have and has a lot of goodwill right now coming off, you know, everything that he experienced last year. Um, God bless him for coming back. 
And for whatever reason, Shane McMahon has been built into the company's top heel. And also, <laughs> looking at the card now, you wonder um, with the ratings crisis that they've been experiencing, and you think about the, who are the two company's two top heels. And when you say Shane McMahon and Baron Corbin, who are some of the most tired authority figure heel characters, well, Baron's not an authority figure anymore, but he still dresses like it. Just, it's just you can see why things are the way they are. And then you also have King, Kobe Kingston versus Samoa Joe, and. Well, I don't think there's any chance of that headlining. I think there you can certainly make the case that it should. It's one of the best built feuds in a short time. Um, Kofi's more over than Seth, absolutely, as champion. And Samoa Joe, it's like, actually, you know, there's a real chance that I think he could take the belt off him here, especially if the rumors of Kofi being a bit banged up are true. So that just, um, I like if it were in a perfect world, I think that would be headlining. But if I, like, if I was Vince or, you know, whoever's making the decision backstage right now, I would have the Taker-Reigns match headline, actually. But I think they're going to close with Seth and Becky. I'm not, I'm not too stoked about it, though. At the bottom of the card, though, we have, let's see, we have the WWE Raw Tag Team Championship match versus the Revival... Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder versus the Usos, Jimmy and Jay Uso. This, I don't even know, this feud feels like it's been going on for, I think, the better part of this last decade. I'm not sure. It's just, I think it's been getting better now. It's hard for me to remember, but I think it's been getting better now. But they just, they started this off, this feud off horribly a few months ago. They had... The Usi Hot things we had Dash Wilder scooting along the ring on his butt. These these kind of things. Just terrible, 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 terrible backstage segments that I'm sorry to bring up to you again if you're listening. I'm sorry to put those images back in your head. I know that we all collectively tried to block them out, but there's just it's just gonna end up on one of those lists on YouTube in a few years about like 10, 10 things WWE wants you to forget, or I, I've tried, but it's just, the stain's hard to wipe away. The match should be really good, though. I don't know what they're doing with the tag divisions on either side at all, um, and the women's, the tag team division, which they've all but forgotten about already, but I, w- I guess... I would keep the belt on the revival. I don't know who is there to take that off them. I don't even know what that tag division looks like really going forward. But I just think I don't see the point of giving it back to the Usos at the moment, unless they are still unhappy or that kind of thing. But it seems like the revival have been rumored to be discontent for a while. So I don't. I guess this is building them as legitimate champions. Maybe you could have. I don't know when Tommaso Ciampa's set to be back but maybe you could redo the DIY um, feud whenever Johnny Gargano is pulled up or just something like that I think there's a lot more you can do with the Revival as champions right now than just giving it back to the Usos I lo- and again I love the Usos the Usos are if I had to make a top 5 of my favorite people in WWE over the past few years it's definitely been the Usos Ever I, I hated them actually when they were 
doing the face paint thing and just kind of shouting during, during their entrance. And then they came out when they went, they went heel originally, they're back to being faces again, had been for a while, but they came out, it was just like, they were like actually cool in a way that like WWE tries to make people cool, you know? But they were like actually cool in a way that like spoke to me, like someone who was like in their early 20s, it spoke to me like, oh, like these people, they come out and they are dressed like, like they're in streetwear, they're wearing like Air Force Ones, they're wearing like sneakers. They play like just like cool guys like that would like, it was really inspired by hip hop culture. They reminded me of like how Migo is dressed, like maybe not as flamboyant, but just genuinely cool guys who like didn't take shit from anyone. Some of their, and ever since they've just been one of the best parts of the WWE. So I think there's a spot for them to regain the championships eventually, but I think they could um, find other things to do at the moment. I'm not sure. I would maybe like to see them remove, move on from the Revival feud. They could team up with Roman, I think, eventually. That would be cool, teaming up with Roman against... Um, if they let the um, the AJ, the new re- reformed club, kind of just run wild. I guess they did that when AJ first came to WWE. They did... Um, had the Usos team up with Roman versus, um, the club, but just things are so different now, I think you could redo it and add a new spin to it. Anyways, so yeah, my prediction would be the revival for that one. Going forward, the next match it has listed is Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley in a last man standing match, and I think it just goes to show you how quickly you can and how easy it kind of is to book wrestling sometimes like I'm not saying it's easy I don't these guys have some of the hardest jobs in writing you're producing a weekly tv show but these, these were characters that were dead in the water that no one cared about a few weeks ago and this is like when I look at the card I'm probably as excited for this match as any like if they just give it time and I think you know usually you want to give um last man standing matches based on just the premise of the match, it should get 15, 20 minutes or something like that. I think this could just be really good. I remember Braun Strowman's, um, he did a last man standing match with Sami Zayn during Braun Strowman's kind of like initial like monster run when McFoley was the general manager. And that was really fantastic. I think he's been in maybe a few others since then, but I think this could be a banger. I think it was good to keep them off TV mostly. No, they were, I mean, they weren't off TV, but like, I think it's to keep them apart since the um since the what happened two weeks ago and i think that was just one of the most like memorable things to happen in wwe over the past few months and got me really excited for this i think hope they just like bang into each other i hope they just tear each other apart and we get like something really like 10 to 15 minutes actually and just like really fantastic prediction braun Strowman though i don't it makes me really sad because i would love to see Bobby Lashley be like pushed I just think that's coming on at this point I was so excited when he came back I, I really liked him when I was a kid for whatever reason even though like I knew the original um not the original the WWE incarnation of ECW was like shit even as like I was born in 1995 so I was, it was 13 14 when that was happening especially as it went on I was just very like internet or forum internet complaining about it but you know I think like it was fine fine up until 
Vince McMahon won the title. Like, I think it was going downhill quickly. But Bobby Lashley wasn't terrible. It just wasn't the right spot for him. And I really liked him when I was a kid. And then he just... And it, we never really got the explanation, I don't think, of, like, what happened when he left. Because there was, like... It was just time for him to sign a new contract. And then he just didn't, really. And I didn't get to see much of his TNA stuff. Um, I just fell off TNA for Impact Wrestling. Global Force Wrestling. Whatever you want to call it. Um, for a while, for obvious reasons, but, you know, I think the, the guy just has so much potential, I want them to be able to do something with him, but I just don't think it's the time here, I think Braun Strowman should be the priority, I think Braun, I hope Heyman can do something with him, or I hope he gets put on SmackDown when it moves to Fox, and just, they just push him to the moon, the guy was as over as anyone has been in years, like, genuinely, just over with the crowd as like a baby face in ways that like people haven't been in forever and I hope they can heat some of that back up and get him back close to that point and the guy deserves some kind of title run I mean besides his title run with Nicholas I would um yeah I'd like to see him maybe challenge for the United States title if he can't get a universal title run but I think a universal title run or a WWE title run should be in his future like I, I can't imagine it can't be and I don't think losing to Bobby Lashley here does anything for anyone, really. Okay, the next match, maybe the most interesting and, like, well-built match on the card, they've featured it a lot, is the United States title match between Ricochet and AJ Styles, which, it's really funny because, like, the United States title has been a curse for as long as I think anybody can remember. I mean, there have been a few bright spots here and there but just I, I might look up the title history of it now but sorry for the sounds of me typing but um it's just it's been a terrible kind of few years for it and when I say a few years like a decade really I mean you had the Seth Rollins runs you had the John Cena run, which was really, um, well-received, but, like, other than that, the past few years, it's just been not, like, the, like, Rusev held it earlier this year, no one, or late last year, earlier this year, no one cared, Shinsuke Nakamura, no one cared, um, what was it, WrestleMania 34, when it was, like, Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton, Bobby, no one remembers that. No one cares. No one cared about it at the time. Ginger winning it at the time. And he lost it eight days later to Jeff Hardy. None of that mattered. Um, but yeah, right now it's actually being... This is probably the most it's been featured. I think the best it's been featured in years. Even more than the Joe Samo The Samoa Joe run earlier this year. And the, um, like the initial run of it leading into WrestleMania and stuff. Was actually really good. But I think... Ricochet and um, AJ, I think they have probably been doing it even better service. And it's just funny because the Intercontinental title over the past few years has been, you know, the Miz really put helped put it back on the map and as a top tier title. And it, you know, it even got to main event a show last year, and it's been moving really well but now it's just been absent Finn Balor's run has been a major disappointment so far which makes me sad because Finn Balor is one of my top people in the company 
and it's, it's really tough to see that happen to that title. But this pay-per-view, they've been, um, ever since Ricochet won the title, it's been really hot, and really, um, it's got the main event, it's been one of the major storylines, I guess, like, on Raw, you have the major storylines being, you have Rollins, Becky, Corbin, that whole schmoz, and then you have, you know, Undertaker and Reigns, but that's just kind of Undertaker popping up for a few minutes, and then Shane, I mean, Shane gets a lot of airtime, he dominates both shows, but it's arguably the second or third most, um, featured storyline on a three-hour show, and it has been given a lot of time, it's, you know, main evented, and it's led to the, um, the club coming back, so, that, I mean, that is something that we can be thankful for. As far as who wins, um, on Sunday night at Extreme Rules, this is probably the toughest one to call, I really don't, um, I don't know exactly, it's tough because I want Ricochet to retain the title, I think he, I mean, he just won it, his title reign is only, let's see, 17 days in at the time of recording here, and I don't think it would be wise to take the title off him just yet, but I still don't know what you do with AJ and the club otherwise, because if you bring the club back just to um, lose that soon, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm still going to say Ricochet retains, but I'm not sure. I think, like, I think they might, like, him, he might retain, like, by disqualification, like, he might, the club might beat him down, the, from the stuff that's happening on Raw, it's been a lot of roll-ups and lots of, like, they've been holding back, clearly. Part of me wants to say they, like, you know, I just want them to give this, like, an ideal world, they would just give this 25 to 30 minutes, AJ versus Ricochet, and you would get, you could legitimately get a five-star match, and I'm not sure, like, the top brass at WWE cares about that sort of thing, but when you're facing up against AEW, who also have a pay-per-view, um, want streaming this weekend, like, those things matter, and in terms of, like, public perception of WWE, having, like, those five-star matches matters to a really influential core base of the fan, fan base, like, the type of fans that listen to podcasts, like this one, the Then Now and Forever podcast, um, so in an ideal world, I would love for them to get 25 minutes and do it, but I think if they do that, they could hold it off until SummerSlam, which I guess they'll probably have, like, SummerSlam start at, like, 5 p.m. local time or whatever. So I think Ricochet retains, but I don't think it's the end of the feud. I think, like, either he gets dis- wins by disqualification, like he's attacked during the match, or he wins and he's attacked after the match and the feud continues that way. But I do think AJ would probably win the title at some point because I don't see... Because he lost his shot at Rollins for the Universal title. I can't imagine him, like... So if AJ loses the Universal title match, and then I... In storyline, right, that drives him to seek out the assistance of his, you know, old, old brethren in the club and, you know, the Bullet Club in New Japan. And he, like, has to stoop to those levels that he didn't, you know, he wasn't that person anymore, and now he's stooped to these levels, these villainous ways to, you know, get his career back on track, and then he loses again, definitively, and he, like, if he loses this feud to Ricochet, then, like, you know, what's that, what's that say, why is he back with these people? I could see them, I would, could see them doing a, um, I think, 
the smart thing to do is to have Finn Balor involved with this somehow, with the club coming back somehow. I just don't know. I don't um, know how you get that, especially that being on different brands. Not that that matters at all anymore. There's something going on outside, but I apologize for that. <laughs> pops up on the audio. But um, yeah, I just don't think that AJ should take the belt off from here. I think it's too soon. I think that if you can get Finn Balor involved somehow, whether they switch Barons permanently or not, I hope that, another thing, I hope when, I guess officially starting Monday, so very soon, I hope when Heyman and Bischoff officially in the roles, I hope they kind of just do away quietly with the wild card rule. I hope that they can just like move on from it and then like solidify the rosters, whether you have to do a new um, draft or whatever you have to do. I think just a really like hard reset and then like go forward as two separate brands heading into SummerSlam and then like the move to Fox in the fall. And I would still like somehow for Finn Balor to be involved with the club storyline somehow. I think that just makes the most sense and it would lead to the best storyline. So next match on the card moving on is a singles match, which is doesn't have a um, stipulation right now, but it is Aleister Black versus Cesaro. So somebody finally answered Aleister Black's call for a fight. He's been looking for someone to fight him for a while. Finley, Fit Finley did not seem to be up to the job. He's backstage making decisions at the Royal Rumble. So um, it's Antonio Cesaro came to answer the call. This one, I would don't think this needed stipulation, I guess, now that I think about it, with it being Black's, like, reintroduction. Although, when I look at the card, the only, like, for an Extreme Rules, the only uh, Extreme Rules are the Undertaker matches no holds barred, and the Lashley-Strowman match is a, um last man standing match they rumored uh, graves mentioned something about kingston joe being a ladder match but that's like hasn't been confirmed as far as i know it's not on the wikipedia page so i don't know what's up with that graves is annoying sometimes but as far as black cesaro goes i think this is pretty straightforward i don't think there's any world in which cesaro wins this as much as i love the bar i really was skeptical of it at first, but it, they ended up being one of the bright spots of that tag division. I don't know what it would have done without them the past, like, three to four years. They really were together for a long, and I think when we look back at Sheamus's career, I think a lot of people, Sheamus specifically, I think a lot of people will remember that as, like, a really high spot of his career, because a lot of people were really out on him from the beginning as a single star, and he was really pushed probably too much too soon, and I really think he found his groove as, like, this hard-hitting upper mid card kind of guy and then with um Cesaro in the bar but I think Cesaro is in a really perfect spot without Sheamus right now um as just like he's like he's kind of like playing like the Cassius Ono um ironically (laughs) um role how he does in NXT like he's just can play this mid card to upper mid card kind of guy that can lose matches and like 
they have so much new talent coming up from NXT or such, like, because everyone feels the same, you know, on the lower side of the card, so he can just lose to whoever, and just, he's has that cachet now where he can always be, like, seen as a threat, and I still think Cesaro is good enough. I think if he were to come out, he, were, he was just feuding with Ricochet, who is the United States champion, so he could, I think, you know, having Cesaro challenge for the United States title at some point if Ricochet holds on to it, it's not a terrible idea. I think he still is, like, not seen as, like, a jobber. I think he can be a good, really good jobber to the stars. And I think Black probably destroys him. I think it'll probably get, like, eight to ten minutes. I don't think it needs much longer than that, I think. And then I think immediately, this is just um, <laughs> an aside for, like, myself, but I think immediately they should be pushing Black to, just, they should be pushing Black to the moon. He should be feuding with, the Samoa Joes, the Randy Ordens of the world as soon as possible. And by the end of the year, I hope he's in a position where he could win the Royal Rumble or he's already like challenging one like B pay-per-views for the title. I just think the guy has like it. I think he has like, I don't know, like some people like they need to like prove themselves and they need to get ready for TV and they need to, they need to like, you know, have a train. I don't think he needs that. I, I, I think he's, I think he's like perfect, like as it is. I think he can come in and just fulfill whatever role you need. And I think he's just, he has the look that like is instantly recognizable. I think he has the, like, he just looks good. And like on a poster of like WrestleMania, he's the kind of guy that if you're flipping channels, or you like see a gif on Twitter, I guess that's the modern day version of that. He just stands out. He just looks like a nut. He has his own like specific moveset. There are so many guys who I don't even know. Like they're like, you know, like featured guys who I don't know their finisher. Or I couldn't name it offhand. I know Alistair Black's moveset. I saw him live in Philadelphia when he fought, um, when he fought Adam Cole in that match at NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. And that was, incredible i just think the guy's got it and i think he should be pushed to the moon stop so um going forward we have um next matches triple threat tag team match for the wwe smackdown tag team championships the champions daniel bryan and rowan as he is now known versus the new day biggie and xavier woods versus heavy machinery this is really interesting because i think this is um like, all the title matches, maybe with the exception of, like, one or two, I can see a logical reason to make the title change. I really think you could have, um, I think it's the case for any one of these teams, really. I was, I, I was thinking only Heavy Machinery could take the titles off them, and I think that makes a lot of sense, considering they've just been pushed. I think they have, like, a really good look. They have a gimmick. Crowds seem to really like them. It's just one of those things, I think, like, wrestling can, is just kind of stupid sometimes and like or it's not like you just don't need to overthink things like people just like otis because he's a big dude and he does the caterpillar um as it's called and it's just they just say stakes and weights baby and it's just simple and i think like, they should run with it i think um some things just work i don't think they should get the titles right away though I don't, i'm not sure how long the daniel bryan is going to be sticking around in the tag team division but i think it's a really good place for him so i would have him hold on to the belts till SummerSlam, and then if they're going to lose it to heavy machinery i would have them do it there and you know give them like a i guess a bigger platform for that 
Um, I think like Otis and Tucker have to be getting the tag belts eventually because you can't just let those guys fade to the background unless you have something really else good for them to be doing. And Daniel Bryan can be shifted around. I'm not sure who you could have him face. I think Daniel Bryan, going back to Aleister Black, I think Daniel Bryan versus Aleister Black would be an incredible feud post-SummerSlam going towards the fall. It would be something um, that could, I think you could work it character-wise. character, character wise. I think um, you would think that Aleister Black and Daniel Bryan would have a lot in common, but I'm sure Bryan could find a way to like morph his current heel gimmick into um, playing really well opposite of Black. So if I had to give a prediction for this one, I would say Daniel Bryan, Rowan will retain. And, but then again, like um, I was also saying the New Day, I'm not sure whether they would want to do this, but you could, there, I think there's something to having the New Day, even for a little bit, um, just holding all the titles. I think just the amount they've done for that company, the amount, the amount of bootios they've sold, the amount of t-shirts they've sold, just them sticking together for five years and just doing whatever that company has asked of them. And I know they, you know, got the reward in a sense with Kofi winning the title. And I think that him being the first African-American WWE champion is monumental. And I think that's enough of like a reward. I don't think they need to be rewarded anymore. But I think just the visual of them all holding championships together would be a really incredible visual. I think that you could eventually, whenever these guys are inducted into the Hall of Fame, you can put that visual up. I think it's just a moment that could last for years. So I think... If you want to give it to give the title to the new day and then flip it back in two weeks on smackdown i'm not usually a big fan of hot potatoing but you know what it'll give um brian another title reign to um add to his you know collection so yeah i guess you know what if it were me i might actually do that i might give it to the new day but i think daniel bryan and rowan will retain so the next one is um, Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. And this is, of course, a prime contender for the, um, to be on the kickoff show. I, um, full disclosure, I don't watch 205 Live on a weekly basis. I'm a college student. Um, I have, you know, a partner. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to squeeze in as much wrestling as I was, as I would like. I do watch 205 Live. If I, if I hear, you know, something was an incredible match or something like that, if something went on, anything involving Jack Gallagher, Gallagher, I go back and watch because I love that guy. I don't know if he's still a heel or not, but, you know, I don't watch it. I've never watched it really on a weekly basis. But um, Drew Gulak is somebody who has actually always stuck out to me every time I have watched it. He just really shines. I think he's um, just a great dude. Um, he fits in really well. I think he's one of those guys that's going to end up being in the company for a long time, even if he ends up in like the kind of Heath Slater, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins kind of you know realm, Drake Maverick. I think he's just really smart. And his, um, his previous character with kind of like the PowerPoint is hilarious. So it's clear he can do comedy and his more serious character right now with the black trunks is really great um and i think um i i don't see any reason to take the title off him already also full disclosure again person i really hated the tony niece run i don't i just don't see it with him like i think you know best of, you know shouts out to him for he won the you know title at wrestlemania in his home state all that kind of stuff but i just there's just nothing I don't see it with him. There's just nothing interesting about the guy to me. It's just, 
yeah, I just don't see it. Um, I was really happy when Gulak took the title off him. And I think Gulak, I haven't seen too many Tony Nese matches, but I think um, Gulak might just be a step above him in terms of just like pure like work rate. I think he has the potential to put on like five star matches. And I think you could really, um, if they wanted to put just the effort into it, they could make 205 Live that kind of show. They could bring up, um, they already have Chad Gable there. I think Chad Gable's probably next in line to maybe be champion. So a Gulak, Chad Gable program going forward um, would be great. You could also do, um, you, there's lots of people on there. You could do Drew Gulak versus, um, if you wanted to bring over Tyler Bate, I'm really not sure what's happening to him. Tyler Bate would be incredible. You could do um, you could do Johnny Gargano. I know that would make a lot of people angry, but um, and Johnny Gargano is my favorite wrestler. But I think you know Johnny Gargano. If you had Johnny Gargano versus Chad Gable for the Cruiserweight Championship at like WrestleMania next year, that could be incredible. Um, so I'm yeah, Drew Gulak wins no doubt. And also, true Drew Gulak is from um, Pennsylvania, so I don't see. He's from, yeah, right outside of Philadelphia, actually, looking at his Wikipedia page. So, yeah, there's no reason to take the title off Gulak. I like the guy. Um, next one is handicap match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Champion, Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. This um, has been the most confusing storyline, probably, of the last few weeks. I mean, maybe not as bad as the um, the Maria storyline, or I, I, it's hard to say. It's the most confusing with everything that WWE puts out. But um, yeah, but it's just I don't know where they're going with it. It seemed like really simple at first, like because um, you have you know Alexa is um, a core part of her um, her character really has developed into her being like someone who puts bodies in front of her. She's a very manipulative person. She manipulated, um, she manipulated Nia Jax for a long time. She manipulated Mickey James. Now she's doing it with Nikki Cross. I think there's other people, um, that she's used in this way that I'm, um, missing. And it's just like a core part of her character. So I like that they are continuing it with that, but, um, I just, um, yeah, I don't... I assume that's coming with Nikki at some point, where you can do a singles feud with Nikki and Alexa. And I don't see the reason to take the belt off Bailey, especially if the rumors about um, Sasha coming back soon are true. So, yeah, I would have um, maybe Sasha come back here, save um, Bailey from the 2-1-1, like Assault, help her retain the title, and then just have, like, a stare down after. And, you know, just go forward with that. I would have SummerSlam, big match... Sasha versus Bailey. Either have Bailey overcome, or you could have, um, you know, maybe Sasha win the belt, and then, you know, string that out for a few more months. Maybe do a Hell in a Cell versus them. You could have Bailey win the Rumble next year, and and then like have Sasha hold the belt until WrestleMania. Do heel Sasha versus face Bailey. You know, that's kind of just running back the NXT program from a few years ago. But you know, it's been a while, and you know, a lot of people weren't watching NXT then. NXT that was really when NXT started to blow up, so, like, there are a lot of people who maybe haven't seen that, there are a lot of younger fans, or just, you know, people who don't watch NXT, so, I think the best thing to do is run, run it back with that, have Sasha come out here, and then, um, yeah, have Alexa and Nikki maybe do, like, a small singles match, add on, do that on SummerSlam, maybe SummerSlam pre-show, that'd be fun, 
So definitely Bailey retains here. I don't see the reason to take the belt off her. Alexa Bliss has had enough title runs and her health's been shaky too. Like, I mean, I, just, I think she's sick right now. It's like a sinus infection, which is like, it's the worst thing. I don't know if you people have um, had a sinus infection. I haven't in years, thank God, but I thought I was going to die the one time I did it. So like, I hope she gets better and can work through this match with that. But yeah, and with her concussion stuff, I just want to give the belt to her until they're confident that she's back back. Um, and then you get into the big matches of the night, like the big three matches, starting with Kofi Kingston versus Samoa Joe, singles match for the WWE Championship. This is one, I mean, given the nature of Extreme Rules, I, I kind of wish this had a gimmick. I, maybe I hope they give um, this the ladder match Corey was alluding to a, a few weeks, a few nights ago. But I think, I don't know, man. I I think you have Kofi retained. I don't think it's time to take it off Kofi. It's going to be heartbreaking whenever it does happen. And Joe's definitely could be the guy to take it off him. But I'm just not sure. I don't think, this doesn't feel right at the time. Um, I would let Kofi retain it. And then you can have this match again at SummerSlam. I think... I'm, Kofi's the kind of person that you're never sure if he's going to get another title reign, or this could be it, you know, this could be, he could lose this title within the next few months, and he sticks around the upper mid card for the rest of his career, he, and then goes back to fighting for the Intercontinental title, for the United States title, that kind of thing, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, um, that's, that's great, you know, not everybody can be in the title picture all the time, or, you know, he goes back to teaming with the New Day for the title in the tag scene um or you could do a new, new day um breakup angle after this but um after his title reign ends I mean but um yeah I don't I think he needs to like beat people like even if you think of it in like if you think of like UFC or boxing or something like that you know if you have a champion um and you look at um if you're like looking at who are the greatest champions um you know, in history, the first thing you do is you look at their title defenses. I mean, you look at who they beat, and Kofi beating Brian, one of the greatest superstars of all time at WrestleMania, is certainly a big deal, but he hasn't beat anybody since then. He beat Kevin Owens and, um, Sammy, not Sammy Zayn, he beat, um, Dolph Ziggler, you know, and it's just, those are, those are United States title feuds from 2011 to 2013. It's, it's nothing like you wouldn't look back at this reign and say he had a good opponent or that he ever beat anybody so I think he needs to beat Joe I think he needs to win this feud cleanly and then I think you can move on to something else I'd like to see him move on to maybe facing Ali um if you wanted to do that after SummerSlam or I still think I still think there's room for a Randy Orton feud I would love for him to feud with any Randy Orton I think that just makes sense given their history there's lots of stuff like that that I still think you can do. I don't think this reign should end um, until I would definitely drag it out to the fall, like October, November, but I, I just don't know when. I don't know if you want to have Brock Lesnar cash in on him or Big E turn on him. I think it needs to be something like that. It needs to be some kind of big storyline thing that we're going to remember, not just like Joe beat him. As much as I want Samoa Joe to have a championship. So my official prediction for that would be definitely Kofi Kingston retaining, probably definitively, but I think there's definitely going to have another match. I think it'll be kind of like the AJ um, Joe feud from last year, and I think Joe's really showed his worth that he can just slot in 
wherever like that whenever they need like a big title feud for like the summer or the fall or whatever i think they can put joe in there and he's gonna knock it out of the park every time because he's just the man's amazing and it makes me sad that he hasn't and might not ever get a wwe championship so part of me wants him to win for that but i don't think it's just the right time for that um moving on to the second to last match listed is again i thought this should main event but it doesn't seem like it's going to is the undertaker and roman reigns versus shane mcmahon and the scottish psychopath drew mcintyre in a no holds no holds barred tag team match what was i doing there um yeah i just this match is much more interesting than it has the right to be or i'm just much more excited about this match than it has the right to be and I wish I was there. Like, I wish I was, like, again, the show's, you know, across the city from me. I wish I was there just to see The Undertaker come out. I think The Undertaker is good when slotted into these type of things, when he's not just facing Goldberg or, like, just somewhat, like, altogether removed. Like, he's actually, you know, involved himself in the main storylines of the company. I think he won't have to, um, do much here with, um, the tag, you know, it being a tag team match and Roman still... You know, it seems like he's, you know, all firing on all cylinders. You know, they're not really holding back with him post-leukemia, you know, post-WrestleMania, definitely, at least. So, um, you know, I think he, he can do as much as he wants and definitely carry the match. While um, Shane and Undertaker kind of, like, take a step back. The no-holds-barred stipulation, I don't think we're going to see, like... Um, I don't think we're going to see Undertaker, like, going through, like, five tables, you know, it's anything crazy yet not gonna be reminiscent of ecw or anything so i think like if anything he'll be the aggressor with that like he can choke slam drew through a table or something like that where like it's using it to his advantage to like make the spots more memorable for him versus um him taking any kind of big bumps which he doesn't really need to be doing at his age i think it's pretty clear here to me that undertaker and roman win i just think like i don't see why you would have them lose um, I think you just have them, like, you know, you can do the thing at the end of, um, the match where you have Undertaker drop to one knee and do the thing he does with his hand and, you know, that kind of thing and just have Roman next to him. You have a really good visual. I think it's just kind of like a feel-good match for the crowd. They put out a new shirt where they're referring to them as the, um the graveyard dogs which i actually like a lot most of the time when um wwe puts out like they give you know one of these thrown together teams a name it's usually really cringy or it's just it's just regrettable most of the times to be honest but um like they put out a shirt a few days ago for um also for seth rollins right now it's um it says the man's man like in reference to his relationship with Becky Lynch, which is, uh, this is maybe cringe looking at it. But you know, the Graveyard Dogs is a pretty cool name. I like it. I like. I really oddly like the Undertaker Roman pairing. It just makes sense. I think like I didn't really like like Roman slotting in to like I didn't. Their feud, the WrestleMania feud, was just very meh to me, and the match was even worse, and there was, like, no... They were just arguing over whose yard it is, I remember, and it just... It didn't make any sense, and there was really no reason for it. But I think them as a tag team, given, like, their history at this point, it just makes sense. 
they've tried to justify like why Roman and him are teaming up here. And it's like, it's, you know, it's whatever. There's like not much reason for it, but you know, it'll be like, again, I think it's just like a, a thing to pop the crowd. Undertaker being back is to pop the ratings. And I don't have a problem with it. I think this would be a fun match. And then I think um, it's rumored that Undertaker is going to stick around for a bit, actually. He's going to be working. He's going to be working SummerSlam. So I think like, you know, you can transition this if you think you can. It's really interesting because there's lots of possibilities where you can go from this, which is not a lot like And I think are all, I guess, somewhat interesting that um, you could go from here i think you could have undertaker literally face do a singles match at SummerSlam with literally any of the the people in this match i think it makes sense for him to i think the most logical option is for um him to face drew at SummerSlam, and then whether you want to have drew go over and kind of because his thing for a while was he was the one that did away with the shield and then you could have him say you know I, you know, I did away with The Undertaker, I retired The Undertaker, which, you know, is doubtful that would be true, but then, you know, you could have, um, maybe the return match at WrestleMania and have The Undertaker go over there, and, um, either way, I think that would be big for Drew to have, you know, a big marquee match with The Undertaker. You could do, you could do a, um, rematch of WrestleMania 32, you could do Shane versus Undertaker again. I'd be least excited about that, I don't think we need that. It just kind of flips it on its head. That whole storyline was really wonky. Didn't make any sense, really. But I guess the premise of it was that... Because Undertaker was kind of the heel going into that. Like, he was serving um, Mr. McMahon, who was the heel. And it was to oust kind of Mr. McMahon and the authority from power with Shane as the good guy. And now Shane is kind of like... He's not officially the authority we're the authority we were told in December, but he's, you know, he's controlling the show essentially. So it would be Undertaker kind of ousting him from that position. Although I think there are better people to do that. I think Roman specifically, you could just have the blow off with Roman and Shane at SummerSlam, or you could do Undertaker versus um, Roman Reigns if you wanted. I don't know what the storyline would be there, but it would, you know, it would be a big deal. You could have Undertaker try and get his win back from WrestleMania. I mean, that feud, like I said earlier, was didn't make much sense to begin with but you could continue it if you wanted to i wouldn't be too stoked about that either to be honest and then finally the main event is um the man's man and the man seth rollins and becky lynch the universal and raw women's champion respectively taking on baron corbin and lacey evans um the sassy southern bell and the former Constable, um, I guess he will be Philadelphia's favorite son coming Sunday night. The man who defeated um, Kurt Angle at WrestleMania in his farewell match. <laughs> okay, you don't you don't need that from me. You don't need that from me. That that's getting annoying when he comes out. I think that's the point, but it's it's frustrating. Um, yeah, this is I guess gonna main event. I I I don't know where you go with it. Um, other than, I think, if Heyman and if Heyman and Bischoff really want a kind of hard reset, um, going into them taking over on Monday and Tuesday, respectively, I think that 
just having Becky and Seth go over, like, clean as a whistle here. This makes sense to me. I don't... Because if you have Corbin and Lacey win, if you have two titles change hands that were... Them winning those titles at WrestleMania were huge moments. Like, two of the... Besides Kofi winning, like, they were two of the three moments at WrestleMania that were, like, the biggest deal. To have those titles taken away in kind of like a, you know, an underhanded way by, you know, like, you know, Corbin becoming champion by not even pinning Seth. You have to continue those storylines. You have to continue them into um, SummerSlam, which I don't think anybody wants. I, I don't think, like... I don't think anybody wanted either of these feuds really to begin with, but I think like they've definitely run their course at this point. I think continuing them on would be a terrible idea. So I don't think you definitely you don't have them continue on. I think you just I think you just have Seth and Becky go over here in a as clean as possible. I wouldn't drag this out too long. I would have 15, oh, th- this is an Extreme Rules match, too. So I misspoke earlier. I didn't realize that. Um, Yeah, I think you just have maybe some violence. You have maybe a big set piece to end the match. You have Seth and Becky put both of them through a table or something like that. You have Baron curb stomped into a chair. Something like that. I don't know. And then you just have this last not too long, 15 minutes, maybe. And then that's about it. And I think you end the feud there. And then you have, you shuffle Baron and Lacey off to do other things. And then you can just move on. I don't really know what comes next, honestly, for either Becky or Lacey. Or, sorry, or or any of these people, really. Which I think is testament to the failures of Raw over the past few months. And just how dry these programs have been. They don't really inspire much um, passion from anybody. The one was at Stomping Grounds. Yeah, they, the crowd kind of responds to it, to Baron Cor- Corbin headlining at Stomping Grounds was a disaster. And I think they should have taken stock of that. I don't think it's going to get any better. I think um, Philadelphia will be ready to tear him a new one. And not in a good way. I think you could get boring chance. You could get CM Punk chance. You can get a lot of things that you don't want. Which is, again, another reason why I wouldn't have this headline. I would have Taker and... Um, Reigns headline just to, you know, it's like a feel-good moment. I would also just have um, Seth and Becky retain here. I would um, just move on. I would have Seth move on to... I'm trying to look at the roster now and see who even I would have Seth go against. But we won't get into fantasy booking here, but you could have him go against Braun... You could have him go against, you know, anybody that's not Baron Corbin. And I think people would just, like, breathe a sigh of relief. And, yeah, so that's, um...